Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Live Mike, Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back. I am Lee Lonsberry. I'm coming back to you with some sad and breaking news here. Uh, on Twitter, Wolf Van Halen, the son of Eddie Van Halen, writes the following. I can't believe I'm having to write this, but my father, Edward Van Halen, has lost his long and arduous battle with cancer this morning. He was the best father I could ever ask for. Every moment I've shared with him on and off stage was a gift. My heart is broken, and I don't think I'll ever fully recover from this loss. I love you so much, Pop. From ABC News, here's Jason Nathanson uh, with a report on this unfortunate news. Considered by many one of the greatest rock guitarists of all time and the driving force behind one of the greatest rock groups of all time, Eddie Van Halen and his brother Alex founded the band that would become Van Halen in the early 70s. Eddie co-wrote every original song Van Halen recorded featuring his signature finger-tapping technique, which he didn't create, but many would say he perfected. You even hear it on his guitar solo for Michael Jackson's 1983 hit, Beat It. Van Halen scored five number one albums, but only one number one single, 1984's Jump, and only one Grammy. The band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007, though Eddie didn't attend the ceremony. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. All right, well, we'll continue to follow this story, reaching out to some of our uh, friends on the music stations here in the building, uh, maybe get a a more thorough look at uh, what this means to the music scene, what it means to you. Uh, Just fascinating and wonderful music uh, from Van Halen over the years. Uh, Music has certainly lost a big name. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee in 2007. Uh, fabulous guitarist. Uh, we'll follow this and bring you updates as we learn them. Uh, but uh, but together we'll mourn today, and probably as we drive home from work today, uh, you and I'll each uh, put on some Van Halen to to get us through the commute. Uh, I'm certainly going to do that. Anyway, I mentioned before the break there that there was a, an interesting uh, an interesting thing which which is being called a pink recession. Now, what does that mean exactly? I uh, a little uncomfortable using pink. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that there are gender normative colors necessarily, <laughs> uh, especially one of the daughter. Uh, but uh, this pink recession, what does that mean? There is a beautiful, a beautiful piece uh, to come from KSL Television last night. Uh, the headline uh, is "Unaffordable Utah Women Hit Hard by Pink Recession." A television package put together by uh, KSL TV's own Lad Egan. Uh, I'll share this story. Uh, on my Facebook page in just a moment here, but in it, uh, it looks at the disproportionately high impact that the uh, the economic circumstances resulting from the this global pandemic have had on women here in the state of Utah. The The, the reality is that uh, women end up here in Utah and elsewhere uh, bearing uh, the burden of much of the child rearing. 
And uh, when it comes to making decisions about, uh, you know, who is going to maintain their job and who is going to stay home with the kids, uh, it is often uh, women who are making that choice to, to stay home. Uh, and, well, that has uh, unfortunate consequences for uh, that woman's career, and some of the decisions are, are very, very hard. Now, before I get too far uh, down the road here in this story, I want to share uh, a detail which I found absolutely fascinating, and I will admit it is not what I expected. So uh, th- this coming from the, the KSL.com article, it reads, 60% of women in the Beehive State are in the workforce. of women in the Beehive State are in the workforce. All right, so I'll read you the second half in just a moment and the portion I found so uh, surprising, if I'm honest. Uh, 60% of women. How do you think that percentage compares to the rest of the country? Do you think that uh, in the United States at large that Utah has a higher percentage of women in the workforce or a lower percentage of women? Well, would you believe it that 60%, uh, that being the number of women in the workforce here in Utah, is slightly above the nationwide uh, labor participation rate for women? 58% is all nationwide. 60%. And so for whatever that means to you, uh, we are doing uh, better. You know, you'd like like everyone uh, working exactly in the circumstances they'd like, and so maybe there is still progress to be made. But uh, uh, but we are outpacing the rest of the country. And I think that bucks the stereotypical trend that so many think uh, about Utah. I was pleased to, to learn that statistic. Now, uh, you are going to recognize this name, Robin Garfield. You've heard her a number of times on this program. She has children in the Salt Lake City School District and is a, a working mother. She and her husband both uh, work full time. And when school's in session, uh, they have relied on school uh, to be a time for their children to be cared for throughout the day, freeing them each up to go into the workplace. Well, uh, Salt Lake City School District right now, excuse me, they're all remote. You know this. You may have children in the district right now, and you have had to come up with child care scenarios and some of that planning, some of the the care you're taking to, uh, to make those plans requires some tough decisions. And uh, my colleague, Robin Garfield, works here at KSL News Radio. Uh, she and her family weren't immune from that. She, uh, she trimmed back some of her hours here. She had to scale back some of the attention she was paying to her entrepreneurial efforts. And she has thus uh, undertaken the responsibility uh, of raising uh, and, well, specifically teaching her children as the school district is uh, shut down. Here she is, Robin Garfield, recalling the day that school shut down. It was an overnight scramble that was almost impossible to do. So I, ha- I had to call into work that day and say, I'm so sorry, my kids are home. And here is Robin describing the multiple hats she has to wear thanks to the pandemic. Teacher, principal, therapist, uh, PE teacher, library instructor. That's me. That's, I, I picked up 15 new job titles overnight the second school went out. Now, here next, Robin makes a point uh, that is beautiful. There are some jobs that you can take a vacation from. There are some jobs uh, that you can be fired from or you can quit or you can adjust to suit your needs. There's one such job, though, or there's one job, rather, uh, that doesn't uh, allow for that type of flexibility. That's not a job you can walk away from. You can't walk away from being a mom. 
you can't get fired or quit. Those hours are there regardless. They're, they're, not, they're not flexible. It's an essential role. Parenting is an essential role. I have to admit that I, you know, my, my life, the way it is set up right now, uh, I have been a little bit insulated from some of these uh, real struggles. I've had plenty of conversations, uh, you know, with individuals here on the air. I, I read the articles. I, I speak to the experts. I have great access. I have great access to uh, to th- this type of information. And I, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, looking at it academically, I, I certainly understand it. And uh, it, it breaks my heart to admit and realize that until I saw the footage of my coworker Robin in her home uh, in tears describing the impact that this has had uh, on her family, uh, it reminded me that uh, you know as women are disproportionately impacted by this, it reminded me uh, and drove home uh, the the reality that I bear a responsibility. That, uh, you know, if women are being disproportionately impacted uh, and I, you know, I'm sure that my uh, my wife and my my sisters and my mom, no one's immune from this. And whatever it is within my power that I can do uh, to help and to make more equitable the impact being felt uh, by this, well, I intend to do that. And if it's uh, if it's chores or uh, altering my own work schedule or who knows what, but I uh, because of this disproportionate impact, I feel a greater responsibility. And I hope you men listening uh, feel something similar. If nothing else, uh, just say thanks to the woman uh, you have maybe watching uh, your children at home. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.